What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Giant Voices Podcast. And this episode is a podcaster's dream because I get to interview a legend in the industry. His name is John Danes. We started his podcast less than a year ago. He's already grown it to be a top 100 business podcast. He's landed guests like Grant Cardone, Frank Kern, John Malott, and other power players. In this episode, we talk about how to position yourself as an expert in the industry. We talk about using your podcast to grow your business. And more importantly, he talks about how being fearless is your greatest strength. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, thinking about going into online business. This episode will be great for you to hear. Really appreciate you all listening. If you enjoy the show, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. It's all greatly appreciated and enjoy. Do you ever wonder how some podcasts get thousands of new listeners and you don't? Do you wonder how people get featured in major publications? Do you ever wonder how Instagram videos go viral? Welcome to the Giant Voices Podcast, hosted by Carson Jones. Every week, we bring you the biggest names in podcasting, marketing, and public relations to help you break through the noise and take your brand to the next level. Oh, and we like to mix in the uncomfortable topics like mental health, anxiety, and the internal battles that keep us from growing. Now, let's get to the show. What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Giant Voices Podcast. I'm your host, Carson Jones. Today, I have on another guest. His name is John Danes, founder of 99 Media. John's a marketing expert and host of the No Excuses Show, which over the past year has actually become a top 100 business podcast. John's interviewed big power players like Grant Cardone, John Malott, Frank Kern, countless others. He turned yesterday, turned the ripe age of 20 years old. And in that time, he's uh, accomplished more than a lot of people do in their lifetime. Proud to call him a really good friend of mine. And uh, John, thanks for coming on the show. Hey, man, I appreciate that powerful intro and uh, honored to know you as well, buddy. I always laugh when we when I'm speaking or when I'm introduced to somebody. I'm like, man, you made me sound a lot cooler than I am, but but I appreciate it nonetheless. <laughs> Hey man, you, you're building your own celebrity up. So, which uh, which is crazy because I think when we started talking, I didn't quite realize that you were 20 years old at the time, 19. Um, I remember when I was 20 years old, I was in college playing baseball. Like, absolutely had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I I, I didn't know what I was eating for dinner at that time. So, like, who is John Danes, and how did you get started down this path? Yeah, man. Well, it's I tell people all the time that the person you're meeting today is, you know, polar opposites of the person you would have met three years ago. But uh, basically moved off, moved around my whole entire life. I've lived in uh, multiple different states. So do that, that right there was the biggest blessing that could ever have come upon me, right? I'm meeting new people. I'm learning communication skills. A lot of time, you know, I live in the South now. I live in uh, Nashville and a lot of the people I meet, they've lived here their whole life. And then they wonder why they can't hold a conversation with somebody. And it's because you've never, you, you got forced into your friend group and that's who you stayed with and who you hung with. So you, you were kind of uh, pressed to go out and meet new people and create new conversations and learn how to communicate. Because I would say the, the reason that I've had all the success I've had up to this point is because of my communication skills. But I moved all around my whole life, hated school, 10th grade, got kicked out of high school, actually. Basically, my only strong suit in high school was I played baseball, and I was pretty good at it. But failing grades in every class, got in trouble every day, uh, very, very rarely actually attended school, and then got kicked out. Then transition into homeschooling. So when you're in, when you're homeschooled and uh, you know you're you're in high school, your high school ninth through twelfth, 
you teach yourself. It's not your mom sitting down with you and saying, hey, John, this is what we're going to cover today. You know, you're, you're, you're getting in the book yourself. You're taking the test yourself. And that was a big blessing, too, because I started to learn and practice self-education. So I was basically teaching myself this whole curriculum. And I noticed that, you know, we waste a lot of time in the traditional school system. So I had a lot more free time uh, being homeschooled. And I actually learned a lot better, too, the actual material that I was given for being homeschooled. So I ended up taking a class in 11th grade called uh, Dave Ramsey's Personal Finance. And whether you hate, love, like Dave, I know most people are, uh, you know, polar opposites. They either love him or they hate him. I have no opinion on him, but I I would uh, read these books. And at the time I was working a job and I've always had the, you know, habit of splurging, spending all my money. Um, When I was in high school, that's just what I wanted to do. And I was working 40 hours a week. So I was making pretty decent money. And I started to dig deep in this Dave Ramsey stuff. And I, you know, at that point, I was reselling rare sneakers and clothing. I was making good money doing that. I was working my job and I was in school. So I was pretty, you know, hard pressed. And when you're homeschooled, you don't really have a lot of friends. So that was where my focus was at. And basically, I, I didn't have a good trajectory by any means, Carson. Uh, I was just kind of going with the flow and I didn't know what I was going to do after high school. So basically how I interpreted Dave's, Dave's content was, dude, if you save your money and you manage it right, you can be rich. Doesn't matter. There's people calling into his show that made 50 grand in a year. And you know, that a few years later with the right money habits, you know, they're, they're millionaires. So I'm, I'm watching this stuff. I'm like, man, this actually might be true. You know, this whole you know, being smart with your finances, creating budgets, all that. So I got really interested in, uh, you know, financial freedom and personal finance. So that's kind of where I got my start. And then uh, I quickly started to realize when I was running my own business and when I was introduced to some other people that were business owners that, hey, man, you know, this is a real thing. Neither of my parents were entrepreneurs. So I thought entrepreneur, being an entrepreneur was just like a pipe dream. You know, you only see that this is a real successful entrepreneurs on TV. But, you know, there's there's companies out there that have 50 employees and they're making, you know, they're grossing $200 million a year. So it's not only the companies that we see on the news, but it's the companies that are behind the scenes that are actually, you know, also creating empires. So I didn't realize that being an entrepreneur was a thing again. So I started to dive deep into the online, you know, education. So obviously, first thing I did, right, was how to make money online on Google. I was already doing my sneaker reselling business, but it just wasn't not a long term scalability thing. Right. So. Start seeing these ads by this guy, Ty Lopez. Um, most of people have probably heard of him if you know anything about online entrepreneurship. And I was like, dude, this guy's a scam. Like, there's no way this is real. There's no way you can actually create income online and build a business. So I just started, you know, watching and consuming all his free content. And I said, you know what? I'm going to buy this guy's stuff and see what he has to offer. So started learning about, uh, you know, social media marketing, dove into his stuff. It was, uh, I liked Ty a lot. I learned a lot from his, his content and his programs. Then I went and, you know, took all the money I had, filed my company and uh, just started rocking and rolling with the agency. And one of the biggest things I wanted a, a medium and a vehicle to meet people was still scaling the agency, was still working on it. But I wanted a th- something because I was living in uh, Atlanta at the time and I didn't really know anybody. So I wanted a resource where I could meet and connect with, you know, big entrepreneurs. So I started the podcast. And, um, you know, quick, very quickly, like, like you said, the podcast scaled and, uh, yeah, that's pretty much the basic rundown of how I got to where I am and everything that led up to, uh, to me. That's kind of a little rant.
No, I, I love it, John. So it's funny, we talk all the time, but I had no clue that uh, Ty Lopez was the way you got started into this. We, we have a lot more in common than uh, that we even know. We play baseball, we're both from the Midwest. We both got our start in digital entrepreneurship because of our man, Ty Lopez. So he uh, he does a lot more good than uh, than a lot of people give him credit for. <laughs> That's why I hate when people give him a bad rap, man. He's inspired more people than the school system, I think, ever has. He w- I was watching a podcast he was on the other day and this kid was walking around the hallway at a school with a book. And this teacher came up to him and was like, you, you don't like to read. Why are you walking around with this book? And he said, yeah, the guy on YouTube said that if I read enough books, I can get a Lamborghini. So like that's I think it's a funny yeah. story. That's how our brains work, man. I mean, I don't, I've met a lot of people. I've met people that are unmotivated and I've met people that don't really have any drive and ambition. But nobody is driven, I don't feel, by the traditional lifestyle that we've been offered and taught about. So if there's somebody that can kind of come in whether you like him, whether you hate him, whether you think that he scammed your cousin or, or whatever your case may be with Ty, he's inspired so many people to get rolling with their business and really, you know, make no excuses and, you know, just go out there and try to make it happen. Yeah. And it's funny. I figured we'd get off on some rants and some side conversations, but I think, I think what people start to realize and what the, the reason that people are maybe exhausted by Ty is because he's everywhere and they can't really figure out what exactly he does because he does a lot of stuff, which I think that's what entrepreneurship is. It's doing a lot of stuff, figuring out what, what works, what, what, what's successful, and then like scaling back on the stuff that doesn't work. And I think people just are exhausted from him because everywhere they go, there's Ty Lopez. But I think that's smart because he tries everything. He puts money behind everything and he's on every platform. So I think people just become exhausted by it. Yeah, I agree. And I think a lot of people especially in the online you know, community of entrepreneurship, everybody says you got to pick a niche. You got to pick one thing. You got to become an expert in that thing. So I think it might throw a lot of people off that Ty says, here's insight on credit. Here's insight on e-commerce. Here's insight on social media marketing. Here's insight on you know this, that, this, and the other thing. But And so people are like, what does this guy really do? But I like his model of having a big enough influence and a big enough network of being able to bring in industry experts, sell their information under his brand, and create, you know, some of the most successful online education programs that have ever been known to mankind. Yeah, yeah. And, and not that this is going to be a, a Ty Lopez episode, but I think these are important lessons. It's what he understands and what I think both of us do really well is we understand what, we're really, we're, what we are really good at. And then we surround ourselves by people that are good at something else that complements or accentuates that skill. Exactly. So yeah, so so moving on, I uh, this is something I'm I'm really excited to talk about because we you know we both really uh, created a lot of success from from our po- from our podcast background, but you have created a whole level of success, you know, through your podcast, the No Excuses Show. Like when you started your podcast, what was your vision for, and did you have any idea that it was going to be what it is today? No vision, man. No no vision. I had no idea what it would turn into. I said, I'm going to start doing this thing. I'm going to start reaching out to people. And I just want to give people, let me backtrack a little bit. I had a mentor when I was in 11th and 12th grade. Big shout out to MPJ. He'll still come down to Nashville and we'll go eat these crazy meals and stuff. And he's so fun to be around and he's just full of life. He's 38. Um, he's probably 39 by now. And uh, he's created you know a pretty massive empire, even though a lot of people don't know who he is. He's not a social media guy. And All the guidance and the wisdom that I learned from him was completely new to me, right? Like I said, neither of my parents were entrepreneurs. I didn't know being an entrepreneur was a thing. I didn't even know that there was this whole world because it really is its own world of entrepreneurship. And so I said, you know, all the stuff that this guy taught me is going to make me ultra successful one day. And I want to be able to share this information and these stories with all kinds of other people because 
he was completely untraditional, right? As most entrepreneurs are. Didn't dropped out of college, you know, went and started a massively successful business, made millions of dollars in his 20s, you know. So I wanted, I didn't even really know that was a thing. I thought that was a big old pipe dream. But when you're rolling around with this guy who's got this massive house, who's got a great family, who's got a huge business, multiple people working for him, you realize, hey, you know, this isn't a pipe dream. This isn't a scam. This is real life. And this is something that's actually achievable with the right amount of work. And I just wanted to share with people that there is real people out there that are doing this. There is real people that have created success with no, you know, traditional education or great family that they came from. That was the real goal. And I, looking back now, I think that's the reason that the podcast has been so successful because the more people that I impact and the more people that I bring on to share their stories is only going to increase you know, the amount of people that are consuming my content. Yeah, so that's the next thing I really wanna talk about. You said something interesting on your Instagram story the other day that, that makes a ton of sense. In the last year, because of your podcast, you've built a billion dollar network, yeah. which means the people in your network now that maybe they weren't a year or two years ago, the people in your network are worth a billion dollars. Like, how is the podcast? And just to premise this, like a lot of people ask me when I say, you know, start a podcast, get on guest guest appearances, you know, the power of your network. Like, how has your podcast directly or indirectly influenced your business itself? Well, that's a great question. And one of the biggest reasons that I said that I went and interviewed a gentleman the other day I'm sure you've uh, you've deposited a check on your phone before. Yeah, 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 of course. He created that. He's from Nashville. He created that. So he's took two companies public. You know, he might get pissed if he hears this, but nine, you know, nine figure net worth easily. I went to his house and I interviewed him, and now that's a personal connection. So you know, just knowing people like, and he's not a big online guy. He's not. You know, so meeting people like that and having those kind of people in your back pocket that you can call on and you know that'll mentor you and all that is the biggest asset that having a podcast can create. You'll think this is pretty funny. So my grandfather called me the, uh, yesterday and wished me a happy birthday. And uh, he was like, yeah, man, I've been listening to the podcast. And he told me, he said, I'm still trying to figure out what exactly you do, but it seems like you're doing a really good job at it. <laughs> so my, you know, my grandfather was an entrepreneur, you know, didn't have a lot of success with it, but he, you know, he, um, he tried, he tried. I got a lot of respect for him for trying. And so he, he's very, misunderstanding of this whole online thing because he had a failed experience as an entrepreneur. Sometimes, you know, I think that the reason that being an entrepreneur has so many bad connotations is because there's so many people that have failed at it, right? So we were we were talking on the phone the other day and he asked me, he said, John, how do you monetize this thing, man? Like, what is the, how are you making money from the podcast directly? And I told him, I said, I'm not, we never ran an ad. Uh, that's never happened before. I've picked up clients that I've interviewed. I've uh, formed joint, joint venture, ventures. Uh, sorry, I can't speak. Joint ventures with the people that I've interviewed and the people that I've connected with. And I'll get on the phone with a local real estate agent. Um, I was actually on the way to Chattanooga yesterday and I got on the phone with a guy who owns two brokerages and uh, he's going to turn into a client for us. And he says, dude, I've, I've listened to the podcast. I'm a huge Grant Cardone fan. This is freaking awesome. So if anything, it's a way for me to build my network and it's a way for my clients and the people that I'm going to be working with in the future to get a bigger, deeper look into me and realize that I know how to successfully market online because, you know, there has to be some kind of strategy behind building a top 100 business podcast with zero network, zero connections, and only leveraging online, never putting a dollar in a promotion and just promoting it online. So like that's, I call the podcast my biggest testimonial, to be honest with you, because I, it's my name. It was mine. I funded the whole thing. And then I blew it up and, you know, all offline. So that that's really the biggest value from it and the connections that you're able to make. So I think that I, I was really hard set 
on launching a course behind online, you know, uh, on podcasting. And I wanted to launch it for, for months. And I was like, man, this is such a good idea. And I called one of my good friends, Dan De Silva, uh, who is the king, in my opinion, the king of launching programs. He's, he's done so well with his e-commerce programs. And I, I called him one night on FaceTime and I said, dude, I just want some advice on this. Do you think I should do this? And he was like, you know what? Not everybody is going to buy it. People want to get rich really fast, but they don't realize that building a network is the way that you do that. So that's why I ended up not launching the course because a lot of people are so impatient that they don't really see the value in building a network. You know, it's like Grant Cardone says it all the time. Would you rather have a billion dollars or know a billion people? Well, personally, I'd like to know a billion people because if you can build your network and you can build a strong group of people around you, your financial, uh, you know, projection is through the charts. It's through the roof. If you know enough people and, you know, I get referrals from local people all the time that are fans of the podcast. Hey, this might be somebody that you can work with. Hey, this is somebody you should meet. And, you know, a lot of people ask me why I live in Nashville, but it's almost, I feel like the biggest reason that I, that I like living here is because there's not anybody else out here doing, you know, what I'm doing. And I say that with a hundred percent, you know, not, not being egotistical, but I say that because I'm really honored by how much support and that I've gotten from my audience. And now I've, I've almost become kind of like a, lo a local celebrity and because people know me through this vehicle of the podcast and then they start to say, well, what else do you do? And maybe I'm able to help their cousin who owns a business or help their uncle or their grandma. So that's the reason that I really, that's the way that the podcast has really helped me. And, uh, you know, I got off on a little tangent of why I like living in Nashville, but that's also the reason. So it gives people a deeper dive and look into me, look into who I'm learning from. And it also, you know, has built my network exponentially from nothing. Yeah. And I think the, just the association helps a ton. People start to connect your name with those names and it just creates a sense of brand awareness, a ton, ton of credibility. And then, like you said, like when that day does come to where you want to launch a course or you want to launch a product or, you know, you've got a book, like whatever that may be. Now you've got all these people that are going to support you. Now you've got all these people that are going to back you and, you know, access to funds, access to connections. Like that's, that's what it's all about because everybody's got great ideas. It's how you implement those ideas and when you implement them, I think. No, 100%, man. I mean, it's just like building building the infrastructure. Why would you not do it? You know, why, why would you not want to go connect with big influential people? It's going to take some time. It's going to take some money. It's going to take some work. But we're in the digital age where I've connected with people and some of the people that are my best friends I've never met in person. Some of my best business connections I've never met in person. And I think the podcast is, you know, the best way to be able to just say, hey, we're going to put a microphone in between us and this is going to be the beginning to our relationship. You know, I, I say it all the time, the people that I interview, I really double down on not just interviewing them and then saying, okay, and, and then, you know, somebody looks back or, you know, somebody that I interviewed in the past looks back and says, oh yeah, I did a podcast with John Danes. He was cool. Never talked after that. I want people to say, you know, me and John Danes are working on something big. I'm excited about it. So I think that there's no reason not to try to build a podcast or build a brand online because of the a massive amount of connections and the, the you know the people that you can touch and impact and influence it's a no-brainer yeah and before we uh we move on i think just the historicalness of you know historicalness that the looking back on you know what the podcast is going to do for you like john you're 20 years old like you coming on and being one of my first guests on this podcast we're going to look back at this five years when you're a multi-millionaire and i'm gonna be like yeah john danes was on my podcast he was the third guest of my show and i think that's pretty cool too just just the just being able to look back and and see like how far you've come and how things have changed, I, I think that's pretty cool too. Hundred percent, 
100%. So I think the easy answer to this next question is a lot of hustle, a lot of DMs, a lot of follow-ups, but you've been able to get people on your show that I think, you know, five years ago, like when I was 25, 27, even a couple of years ago, before I'd kind of got into this, I would have been shaking to even think about interviewing or having conversations with, but you're having people like Grant Cardone and John Malott, like these people on your show, on your podcast, like how, what, what gives you the confidence at age 20 to reach out to these media moguls, to have them on the show and, and to be able to interview them and stand toe to toe with, with brands and names like this. My favorite quotes is, once you become fearless, life becomes limitless. So once you're able to just say, I don't really care what this person is going to think or say about my, my dad, one of the best things that my dad ever told me, and he used to tell me this when we played baseball, he used to say, what are they going to do? Eat you? You know, like they're, these are normal people. You know, I, I don't, I, I know that they've created massive wealth and massive success, but at the end of the day, you got to break it down and think about it, that they're normal people. And I've never had a problem reaching out to the people. I don't get nervous when I interview them because I want to learn from them. And I think they respect the fact that I, I've took the time and the effort to reach out and talk to them. So, you know, fear behind, I think fear is something that we, we make up in our head. I just, I feel that when you reach out to these people, you just have to approach it. Like this is a normal guy. He's created massive success, but at one time he was in the exact same position as me. And even sometimes you got to get a little bit more confident with it and say, I feel like they're going to respect the fact that I'm where I'm at at 19 or 20. And, you know, most of these guys have come, you know, they didn't start till they were 30. So I think that's a way that's uh, the age thing has been a big way that I've leveraged and get these people on. But it's been, you know, just treating them like they're normal people. They like that. And it's just relentlessly following up and getting around and associating yourself with people that are connected to them in some way. You know, what do they say? One touch away or two touches away. That's been one of my biggest rules because I am I go out and interview somebody like uh, Coach Michael Bird, who I'm going to be probably working on some stuff with him this next, this upcoming year. Uh, he spoke at 10X Growth Con too. He lives 25 minutes away from me. So it does require a little stalking. You know, it requires to see who they're around that maybe have a little bit lower barrier to entry, that have a little bit less of a following on social media. But I can tell you this, Grant Cardone is not going to associate with somebody who's done, you know, who hasn't done a lot. So like Frank Kern. You know, Frank Kern is a person that he's he's building his brand online now. A lot of the young kids don't know him. He's looking to get on in front of that audience, and he's smart to do that. So, you know, when I was able to interview Frank, and then now Frank and Grant are working together, that was a pretty easy entry way to Grant. You know, you just have to kind of break it down that way, see who they're around, and a lot of people go straight for the kill. You know, you got to kind of go for a few touches away, especially when you're not huge online. And then you can leverage your way up to, to interviewing, you know, the, the big dog who you really want to interview. I love it. And I, I think Grant says it a lot. You got to go on a couple dates first, right? You know, a couple exactly. of push points, a couple messages, you know, share a video here and there and then and then ask for the ask for the kill. Right. hundred <laughs> percent. So so what scares John Danes? Like what, what, what keeps you up at night? Man, I don't want to look back on life and just be like, dude, I could have done all this stuff. I could have. If I would have worked hard enough, I could have made it big. I could, I could have been that guy. That's the I think that's the biggest driving motivator at this point is just knowing that what I'm creating right now is going to compound over the next few years. So I think that when you when you take a step back and look at it that way, everything it becomes a lot, you know, easier to work hard. It becomes, you know, people talk a lot about doing what you love and passion and and I agree with all that to some extent, but you know, I don't think enough people talk about doing what you hate. 
you know, I do a lot. I mean, taxes, accounting, all that stuff. I would rather rub a cheese grater on my head, but I have to do it. You know, it's something that has to be done by me. And this is the responsibility we take on as business owners. So I think that when you realize that it's not about necessarily doing what you, and this is my point of view, my perspective, some people might disagree. It's not always about doing what you love. It's about doing, you know, whatever it takes to bring you to the next level. That's how I look at it. And that's what's worked for me. And I think that when you really truly look at it like that and you motivate yourself for the future, you're going to work a lot harder. You're going to become motivated and you're going to be ready to go out and do you know, what you know you want to do. No, I, I, I love it. It's uh, chasing those pain points, I think is is really important. And another thing you said, you gave, you gave me kind of chills. It kind of changed my my gear there. And I think about this all the time. It's the the empathy to project yourself 30, 40 years in the future and think about like, what am I going to regret not doing as opposed to almost like doing, you know? And I, a lot of people are afraid to start new things or they're afraid to, to do something out of their comfort zone because they're afraid of how it's going to look. They're afraid to look like a failure in front of peers, family. They're afraid of judgment. And I would say you have to be bad at something before you can ever be good at it. And if you don't get, be bad to eventually be good, I think you always regret it because you see other people that do go through that process start passing you up. And then you, you'll wonder why you didn't start when they did. Exactly. Man, yeah, it gives me chills, John. So take me through take me through this process. So when you're getting a big name guest on, let's just take that that Grant story. I think that's a cool story. Like, how did you first meet Grant? How did you start interacting with him? Like, I want to help people that are starting in the podcast world that either have their own podcast or they're starting to you know get on guest appearances, whatever that may be. Like, what was that process like getting him on the show? And like, how did you position yourself as an expert to be able to make it you make him want to want to come on the show? Well, I'll say this because it doesn't make sense to a lot of people. So I don't have massive Instagram following, but I have a massive amount of people that are super loyal to me. Like you, you probably saw yesterday for the amount of people that, you know, shouted me out, even for my birthday, it doesn't even make sense due to the number that you see on, on the follow on the followers. And a lot of that's because, you know, I haven't went out and tried to put thousands of dollars into my Instagram because it's just, I don't feel like I really need it right now. You mean you're not doing the the loop giveaways that everybody in the in the world are doing? No, I'm really not. <laughs> I will, you know, it's just I'm glad that I built a loyal loyal base of people that support me and that like me. And I uh, so the podcast grew pretty exponentially. And if you looked at it, it didn't make any sense because Instagram was my biggest you know biggest social network, and I didn't even have a lot of followers on there. So the podcast really started to scale up quickly, but didn't make sense due to what I had on on Instagram. So I, it was when I hit 39th in the world, I had 17 episodes and right around that time I said, you know what? It's time to kick it into overdrive. Let's go over some big fish. So I emailed Grant Cardone. I snooped to find Grant Cardone's assistance email and I hit her up and I said, look, I got this podcast. It's 39th in the world right now in business category. I want to interview Grant. She said, okay, cool. Send me over links to all your social media. And I did. And she basically said, sorry, you're not big enough to interview Grant. So I said, okay, no problem, no big deal. So I knew 10X was coming up in February, so I bought a ticket, I wanted to go, I'd never been before. And um, he was doing a live stream one night and I was you know, sitting in my computer working and he said, look guys, if you're coming to 10X GrowthCon, put 10X in the chat and I'll accept you into the live stream. I do, my fingers were hurting. I just spam, 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 and he let me in and I was like, What's going on, man? And he was like, how are you, buddy? And I had a 10X hoodie on, so it made it even better. And he was like, why are you coming? And I basically explained everything to him, told him. 
And then he said, thanks so much. We're going to bring some more people in. I appreciate you coming on. I said, Grant, one more thing, man. I interviewed you. We're in front of, you know, 5,000 people live right now. So I kind of had him in a little bit of a headlock. I said, Grant, I want to interview you. Kayla told me, no, I want to do it. And I know he's not going to, I look like I'm 12. So I know he's not going to say no to this kid with a baby face in front of 5,000 people. So I was, he's like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Email Kayla again. Tell her I said, I'm ready to roll. So what I did was I screen recorded the video, put it in a Google drive, emailed it to her. And I was basically like, what's good? And she was like, okay, cool. We can do it. I was like, I want to do it in person in February. She's like, Grant can't do it right now. So I just kept relentlessly following up with her in about Two months after I had sent my last email, she's, she hits me up and she's like, Grant can do it April 20th or April 19th or something like that. And I was just like, all right, cool. She's like, send me over the, the link right now and let's get everything in place. So that's how that happened. Um, it was, you know, one of the most fun podcasts I've ever done. It was really cool talking to him. I feel like I, I asked him some really good questions and we had a great conversation. So that's basically how that all happened. But it was about eight months or no, no, six months from when I made my first touch and I just kept being persistent. You know, most people get a no and they're like, okay, well, this is never going to work. I mean, there's no shame in following up. The worst thing somebody can do, I say it all the time, the worst thing somebody can do is just block you. I mean, who cares? Who cares if they don't want to, you know, you got to keep being relentless with your follow-up, whether it's with a podcast, whether it's with your business, anything, and just keep following up, keep making those touches and reminding them, hey, I'm still here and I still want to do this. So don't get discouraged after the first no because – especially the people listening to this that are going to go out and try to start a podcast and they want to go out and build their network. People are going to say no, people are going to be rude. But as you start to, you know, build and they see that you put in persistent effort, people are going to want respect that. And they're going to want to, you know, be on your podcast or work with you or whatever. No, I love that. I think it takes like a certain bit of salesmanship, like you said, and ability to to take take some nose and to to grind through it. Like there's a lot of people, and for a long time, like I was uh, I was like this too. Where you know you, you hear that no, and you're like, okay, they just they don't want to be associated with me. But if you keep beating on that door, eventually, eventually you can break through. Like, I mean, it's it's with anything, man. Like when you first met your girlfriend, I'm sure you didn't see her, and she just ran up to you and said, "Wow, Carson, I want I want to I love you." That didn't happen. You know, she probably rejected you a couple times. You probably stayed persistent with it. Now you've got a great relationship. It's not just in business, it's in everything. So I think that when you kind of make it make sense in people's minds and you know, you use a, an example like dating or an example like friends or anything like that, it, it makes more sense to people. But I, we, were, we were at an event in Philadelphia last week and it was at this, the Mavericks Mansion. It was a beautiful event, so fantastic. They did a great job, but that's not the point. They said, how many people in here are in sales? And I raised my hand immediately and there was about two hands that went up and I just, I couldn't hold myself back. I just said, everybody's in sales. Everything we do in life is driven by sales. You know, you just have to, it might not be called sales, but at the end of the day, it's sales. You, you know, like Grant gives the best example of it. You know, he, he was uh, relentless with Elena for 13 months. He set his target and then he went after it. Now they're married. They got two kids. They got a great relationship. They built an empire together. So everything is sales at the end of the day, when you break it down. And you got to be relentless with your follow-up. And I, that's why I still think to this day, sales is the most valuable skill that you can build. If you can learn how to sell things, and, and you, you know, whether it's in, in life with friends, with, with relationships, with your podcast, with your business, it doesn't matter. If you can learn sales and you can realize that everything in life is basically a game of sales, you'll be pretty well off. I love that. For the, for the record, though, 
my girlfriend and I were in love the second we met. It was crazy, crazy. And just, I guess we're turning this into relationship advice. You know, when you, when, when you really, did it go, let me ask you this. Did it go straight into that or did you have to hit her up a few times and say, Hey, let's go on a date? All right. So she just immediately for, say, yes. I, this is, this is revisionist history. I, it's, it's kind of funny to look back because she says it didn't matter that, you know, I had an Instagram following and I had built somewhat of a brand, but uh, we actually met through Instagram, you know, all, th- all, all great okay, you're, things. You're, a better guy than you. you're a little more famous. So, I mean, uh, that makes sense. But dude, for a guy like me, man, from Nashville, you know, with the, with the, weird haircut that I got going on right now. It's a little bit, <laughs> it takes a little bit more of a follow up and you know, you know what I mean? Hey, no, that's a good, this is a good segue though. But because, because she says she didn't know that I had built some kind of a brand, but I think she did. And I don't, th- I think if we would have met, you know, three years ago, the conversation would have been a little bit different. Maybe she wouldn't have responded quite as easy. And that it's a segue here because the last thing I want to talk to you about is like positioning yourself as an expert. Like how do you build that authority? Like how do you make yourself like, I don't know, a, a position to put yourself in a position to get on other shows so that people like want to be associated with you. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I think that a lot of people try to fake their positioning. And I think that it hurts a lot of people's brand and reputation. A lot of people think, you know what, if I go out and I do this, or I take a picture in front of this car, or I, you know, pay somebody to be on their podcast, or I go get some press or whatever it may be that they think that that's going to help their positioning. The best thing you can do for your positioning is prove it. Like I tell people all the time, I would call myself a podcast expert and anybody that's been following me since day one can see exactly what I did. There's, there's real proof. There's real numbers. I did it. I didn't go out and say, you know what? I'm going to go on some podcasts and talk about how I'm a podcast expert and take a picture in front of a Lamborghini and a big long caption about how podcasting is the, you know, the reason that I'm standing in front of this Lamborghini, I just did it and proved it. And then eventually once you prove it, people start to believe you and they, they see you as a credible person to learn from. hundred percent true. And that's one of the reasons I, I had to finally put up or shut up and do this myself because I've marketed podcasts for so long and it's, you know, it's great to have case studies. It's great to have testimonials. It's great to have people say nice things about you. It's a whole nother thing when you, when you go out and prove it and actually put your money where your mouth is. So people like you and our, our good buddy, Casey Adams, and all the people uh, that have built great brands through podcasts, you all were the ones that pushed me over the edge to, uh, to finally get this thing going and, and, and put it out there. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. I appreciate you having me on and, you know, Andy Frisella talks about it all the time. You're the biggest, what, what, what would be the correct word? You're the biggest testimonial of your brand. He talks about all the time when he started to let his health and fitness get out of shape. First form, look at it on the chart, went way down, you know, because they're looking at him like, you're selling me supplements, teaching me how to get in shape and you're not in shape yourself. It doesn't make any sense. So you're the biggest, you know, like I said, like, you know, we've talked about you doing this podcast is one of the best things you can do for your brand because you're saying, I'm not just going to do it for you. I'm not just going to help you get on these charts and do everything that I can do, but I'm also doing it for myself. And I think a lot of times people have the most amount of respect for that. And, and then they can actually see, hey, these results are real. And this person's doing it themselves. You're never going to sell anything that you don't believe in. And you're never going to be able to sell anything that you can't do yourself because that would make you a liar. So that's my, that's my two cents on that. And I'm, I'm glad you took the leap and you're doing this now. And I'm, I'm glad it's going really well. 100%. And just a shameless plug for us, anybody out there that wants to start getting on big shows, me and Mr. John Danes here are cooking up something big. So definitely stay tuned. John, I appreciate you, you being on the show. Tell the people where they can find you if they want to get in touch with you. 
For sure. You can find me on Instagram at John Danes. The podcast is the No Excuses Show, www.johndanes.com. All the good stuff. It's all on my Instagram if you want to go find me. And Carson, I appreciate you having me on this show, and uh, I'm looking forward to what we're going to build together. All right, brother. Let's do it. I'll, uh, I'll, uh, I'll talk to you soon, and thanks again for coming on. For sure, man. All right, John. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Giant Voices Podcast. If you love the show, don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review. Also, if you have questions, message us on Instagram at Giants underscore voices or message Carson at Carson Jones.